0: We'll turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 12. Actually, verse 11. We're going to start there. We dealt with this last uh, Sunday night, and uh, so I'm not going to camp out here tonight but I'm going to use it to introduce the message for tonight. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What in the world does that mean? How can you be full And be hungry. How can you abound and suffer need? Verse 13 I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And we like to think that verse 13 means I can be victorious, I can be triumphant. No task is too tough, I can win. Because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When the truth of the matter is, it means I can suffer horribly and bear the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ triumphantly in spite of the suffering. Because he strengthens me. To be full. Full of what? Well, when your stomach is empty and there's no food, you can still be full of the Holy Spirit of God, totally yielded to Him. You can be full of faith, trusting God to meet each and every need. You can pray and ask Him for your daily bread. You can tell Him what things that you have need of and expect Him to answer. We often pray hesitantly because we're not sure God's going to give us what we need. Whatsoever not of faith is what? Sin. So we're to ask in faith. Nothing doubting, the Scripture says. And trust God to meet the needs. I know both to abound, oh yeah, to suffer need, to be hungry, and yet to be full. Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, like Jesus said, Now blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? Filled with righteousness. Do you hunger to be right with God? Do you thirst after the righteousness of Christ? You can have those things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He goes on, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. You're the only church that took me on for support. Okay, Paul's on a missionary journey. His second missionary journey. And one church supports him. You say, how does he make it? Well, he's a tent maker. He can meet his own needs. He can make tents. And back then... Everybody uses tents. Even people with houses use tents. And so uh, he's in, basically, he's in the construction industry. You know? Be like being a missionary and uh, being a uh, a concrete contractor. That's how Gerald Piper went to Mexico. He didn't know anybody supported missionaries. He just knew God called him to go to Mexico. So he sold his business and his house here in Missouri, went to Guadalajara, bought a house, and then began helping people build houses. He went to a concrete company because in Mexico they pour concrete pillars and then they put concrete lentils across the top of them. And then they fill in between with these cheap bricks that will come all to pieces. Well, he went to the brick company, and he said, let me show you how to make a brick that will hold up. And he showed them how to make a brick, concrete block, like we do here in the States. And you, you put them together, and you mortar them, and you pour concrete down in them, and you don't have to have these piers to support the roof. The wall will do it. they would never seen such a thing. They were still building houses the way they did when they used adobe bricks. Mud bricks. And that's how he paid for his first three years. On mission field. The whole time. He's learning the language. He's preaching to people. He's talking to people. He's winning souls. He starts a church. And builds the building the church is going to occupy. Because that was his ministry. That was his job. That was his life. That's what he knew. that's how Paul survived. But now he's in prison. You can't make tents in prison. There's not enough light to see the (laughs) needlework. And so uh, he's there. And he says, no church communicated with me is concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again under my necessity. And that's before he ever got to Rome. In prison. That's just when he went to Thessalonica. Two different times they sent him offerings. To help him. And he said, not because I desire a gift. Okay? I'm not all concerned about people sending me money to help me on the mission field. But I am concerned that fruit may abound to your account. What do you mean, fruit may abound to our account? Well, we might share in the harvest. Missionaries go to the foreign field and they begin to, to sow the seed of the gospel. Well, if we support them and we do support a number of missionaries, then we are helping to buy the seed. And we're not there to reap the harvest, but because we help buy the seed, we get to participate. Part of it goes. Part of the uh, the uh, harvest goes on our account. There's a song, Thank You, Lord. Uh, Excuse me, not Thank You, Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Incredible song. Part of it is about uh, when this person gave to support missions, and and this guy in heaven walks up to this man and says, uh, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a soul that was saved. The missionary came to my village and, and shared the gospel, and he couldn't have been there if it hadn't been for you. So, there's people in heaven now, and there will be more people in the future who are going to be there because you all gave. You all gave. Wow. That's incredible. And that's the way it ought to be. That's what Paul is saying here. Not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. For I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It's an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. Now, let me tell you about an odor of a sweet smell. Everything the Jews did had to do with sacrifice. Okay? You bring your first fruits to the Lord, first fruits of the wheat or the barley harvest, and you just bring a big sheath of grain to the temple. And you hand it to the priest. And the priest stands there in the gate and he waves it to God and, and offers it to God as a sacrifice, a wave offering. And then they take it in and they thresh it out and it feeds the priest, helps take care of uh, the, the needs of the Levites who are working there in the temple, keeping things clean, hauling the entrails out of the temple and burying them out in the valley. Okay, take share of their needs, and then you get to go home and reap the rest of the harvest, and the rest of the harvest, ten percent of it belongs to God, the rest of it belongs to you. Wow, that's pretty cool. But when they bring a meat offering, or when they bring the lamb for Passover. What do they do with it? They bring this lamb or this goat or this calf and they bring it to the Lord. They offer it, and the priest takes it, cuts its throat, drains the blood out, skins it out, removes the entrails, cuts it, quarters the body, quarters it, puts it on the altar, and begins to roast it. Okay? I don't care what anybody says, the smell of roasting meat Attracts neighbors. <laughs> okay? And God enjoys the smell of barbecue. He enjoys the smell of roasted meat. Paul says this is a, this is a gift, an odor of a sweet smell. It is a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now, why was man created to give pleasure to God, to please God? And Paul says when we give to missions, when we give to support a missionary, we give to support uh, someone who is in need, uh, a fellow believer, then that is an odor of a sweet smell. And that is a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice that pleases God. No wonder you find yourself with more blessings when when you give. I mean, it's like the blessings just start pouring out. Still got your Bible open? Turn to Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. Very familiar passage. Verse thirty-eight. What's that first word? Give. give. That's all you preachers talk about. Give, give, give. Money, 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 money. Yeah, I know. I understand. Okay? It bothers me too. That's why I don't like to go to Walmart. You can walk out of Walmart with, without paying for stuff. But if you've got anything in your hands, they're coming after you. <laughs> okay? They want money for everything in there. Okay. Scripture says, Give, and it shall be given unto who? You. The person who gave in the first place. How much will they give? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, or you measure it out, it shall be measured to you again. Only here's the thing. You can take a quarter cup measure, scoop it in, shake it, level it off, because that's how we do when we get ready to give. It's got to be exact. And then we pour it out, and we hold it up, and God starts pouring sugar in that quarter cup measure. And he doesn't just pour it up until it's level. He keeps pouring until it's piled up on top. He gives until it's running over. That's what it says. And then he presses it down and shakes it together. So there's no air between the little grain, sugar, grain. And and then he pours a little more on top. Till you got everything you can hold in there. What if you had used a five gallon bucket? gallon bucket, you know, or a 55-gallon drum, or a 250-gallon tank. Well, let's back up. What if you'd given a dime? What if you'd given a dollar? What if you'd given a hundred dollars? What if you'd given a thousand dollars? Given it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Get that? That doesn't mean you give so you can get. What it means is you can't outgive God. You can't out-give, God. I got to tell you, when I was much younger, had no money. I wanted the gift of giving. It's a spiritual gift, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the gift of giving means that you have the gift of getting. Okay. You don't concentrate on the gift of getting. You just give, and it, and they start. It starts coming back and coming back and coming back. Over and over. I always wanted that gift. God gave me the gift of teaching, gave me the gift of preaching. And finally, after all these years, He's given me the gift of giving. And I love it. It's so much fun. Quick illustration. Back before I had the gift of giving, I didn't tithe on what I made. I tithed on what I wanted to make. Okay? Because every year, at the end of the year, you could have used a little bit more. Right? I mean, that's all it takes to be satisfied, just a little more. (coughs) Even John D. Rockefeller said that. (coughs) You You know, somebody said, how much money would it take to make you satisfied? He said, oh, a little bit more. Okay. Now he had multiple millions of dollars. Okay. So I began to give in my tithe what I wanted to make the next year, and every year, at the end of the year, my income would have grown, would grow that amount. Wow. Now, people walk up to me and give me money to give. You say, Casey, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. People walk up and and give me money or gift cards or, or all kinds of cool stuff. And they say things like, here, Brother Casey, you know who needs this. A lot of times I don't. I mean, who would call and say, hey, Brother Casey, you need chairs? No, I don't need chairs. We got chairs. What would I do with chairs? I said, well... I don't really need them, but if you have some to give me, God obviously has a place for them. And they delivered 80 chairs. We put them in your garage, by the way, back before you were living there. And three weeks later, I meet this missionary, and we're eating and supper together. And I said, tell me what you all need. What could I do for you? Uh, is there anything I could pray with you about? Or... And he said, what? he said, the biggest need right now is chairs. I said, how many? He said, oh. We could use 75 to 80. I said, well, you got to haul them in. He said, what? I said, God gave me chairs. I'm giving you chairs. Okay? Back then we had pews. You notice we don't have pews anymore? I gave away the chairs. God gave us the money to buy nice, comfortable chairs. Okay? That's the gift of giving. I love it. Okay? Okay? I won't tell you how much I gave away last week, but it was well in excess of a thousand dollars. Okay? Seriously? Yeah, these people needed it. I had it. Wasn't my money anyhow. It's always easy to give away somebody else's money. Because it all belongs to God. And I just hold it in an open hand. Okay? Somebody called me from Florida. Said Rick. I need $112.24. And I said, really? How am I supposed to get it to you? They said, if you go to Walmart, you can send it to the state of Florida. Walmart will send it. It costs $10. I said, okay. He told me why they needed it. I had two little kids, two little girls, and they needed to get back home. And uh, so I said, okay. I'm going to send you $150. He said, well, I only need hundred and twelve. I said, I know, but those kids gotta eat tomorrow. And if you're spending all your money on bus tickets, they're not gonna have anything to eat. So, send $150. It cost me one hundred and sixty-one fifty. Because of the ten it wasn't ten dollars, eleven dollars fifty cents. But uh, I walked out of there and this guy said, do you know who do you know who you sent that money to? And I said, No. He said Why in the world would you send money to somebody you don't even know? And I said, because I was the one who had the money, not the one who was asking for it. And I'd a lot rather be the one giving than the one asking. And that's why when I need something, I ask God. I just hold out my hand. say, Lord, Lord, you notice this gets a little empty here. (laughs) Okay. If somebody needs something, I may not be able to help them. Sure enough, he'll come along and he'll say, Oh, yeah, somebody's going to need this chunk, and this chunk, and this chunk. It is so cool. Paul said, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus. By the way, that's a guy from Philippi. The things, one of the deacons, I think. The things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know that is a blank check? He is not going to meet your needs according to His riches on the earth. Do you know how much God has on the earth? Whoa. Don't count paper money. It's pretty much worthless. Gold, silver, diamonds, jewels, topaz, sapphire, emeralds, rubies, okay? All that kind of stuff. Literally trillions of dollars worth. And if that's not enough, he can make more. Okay? He says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If Jesus gets the credit, Jesus does the work. Jesus gets the credit, Jesus gets the work. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. Now just think about it. We want gold, and we want silver, and we want precious stones, and those happen to be construction and road materials in heaven. <laughs> okay? That's nothing to God. He makes buildings out of gold. He makes streets out of gold. He uses pearls for gates. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Okay. I really ought to camp out here, but I can't. It's after 8. But notice who gets the glory. Okay. Okay. Notice who gets the glory. Who is it? That's not what it says. God our Father. Okay? Now, He uses Christ Jesus to bring us to Himself, to reconcile us to God, to save us, so that God can get the glory. How long should He get the glory? Forever and ever. Amen. Let it be so. And then he's closing up, so he finished out the letter. Here's the P-H. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly those that are of Caesar's household. I mean, Caesar's family's getting saved. And his servants are getting saved. And they are saluting the... Christians in Philippi. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with y'all. That's how we know Paul was a southerner. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And then he says, Amen. It's kind of sad that Paul, this great a preacher was, as he was, had to amen himself. You'd think the people would have done it. Hint, hint. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. For meeting our needs. For doing it in miraculous ways. Lord, teach us to rest in you. Because that's what being filled with the Spirit's all about. The rest. The book of Hebrews you talked about. That you wanted your people to enter the land of rest. So we wouldn't have to worry. Wouldn't have to run in circles and scream and shout. Because we don't know what else to do. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. Prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.